let's talk about the Jesus Creed. I'll tell you a story first. When I was in college, there were these two guys that I didn't know, but I would always see on campus. And one of them was really tall and thin, I mean like above average height. He was probably like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, so he really stood out. He was probably the tallest guy on campus who was not a basketball player. And he would always walk around campus with his friends. They were always together. You never saw one without the other. And his friend was probably below average height. So they were kind of like frick and frack. And they just they sort of stood out as this, this cool little combo that would walk around together. And they were always smiling. And it always seemed like they were talking about interesting things. And I'd, I'd watch these guys. I, I didn't have any classes with them. I never had any interaction with them. I didn't even know what their names were. But I thought, those guys are cool. If I ever get the chance, I would like to be friends with those guys. They, uh, they wore t-shirts with names of bands that I listened to. And I was just kind of like hoping for an opportunity for a chance to cross paths with them. But my first year of college, I didn't. I just saw them from a distance. My second year of college, most of the year I didn't get the chance. But then at the end of my sophomore year, I had this opportunity. Long story short, they invited me to be in their rock and roll band, and I got to play bass in their band for three years. So I definitely got to know them. Found out that Stretch Magoo's name was actually Jack Parmalee, which if you think about it, is very similar as far as the letters go to Jacob Parnell. And we came to find out that we had mailboxes that were directly next to each other because they sorted the student mailboxes in alphabetical order. And I would even sometimes get his mail, and I was like, oh, you're Jack Parmalee. I'm not Jack Parmalee, but I always get your mail. Uh, the, the shorter guy's name was Nate Highfield, and I grew very close to these guys. Jack Parmalee was the best man in my wedding. Uh, I haven't lived in the same city as either of those guys since I left college, but every time that we're near each other, we make it a point to get together. Lisa and I had dinner with Nate and his wife this last September when we were down in Southern California. Some of the best friends of my life. They changed my life. They shaped who I am today. And it's cool when I think about going from just knowing about them and seeing them from a distance to having this fantastic relationship with these two guys, these two friends that I wouldn't have wanted to miss out on. And as I think about this, I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you want to know Jesus? Do you want a relationship with Jesus? Because a lot of times, and even for church people, people who know the Bible, people who come and sing the songs, we can realize that the relationship that we have with the Lord is more like my first two years in college, where I saw, where you see the Lord from a distance. You, you kind of know of him. The things that you've heard or seen, you kind of like and think, hey, that, that's, that's kind of cool. If I had the chance, I might like to know more, but I, I don't really get the opportunity or, you know, we, we don't really cross paths more so than my second two years of college, where, man, I got close to these guys and our lives were intertwined. Do you want to know Jesus like that? I hope that the answer is yes. That's part of what we're going to be talking about this morning and, and throughout the month of January as we look at the Jesus Creed. Ask ourselves this question. Do we want to really, truly know and have a relationship with Jesus? Because once you have that, you start to become like him. Like these friends of mine influence me and I influence them. You if you have a close relationship with Jesus, your life is going to be changed. You can't help it. You're going to be influenced by the thoughts, the words, the teachings, the actions, the person of Jesus Christ. 
I decided when I was 17 years old that I wanted to be like Jesus. I said, I've, I've done being like Jacob, and that's kind of run its course. That's, that's about as good as it's going to get. I want to be more like this guy, Jesus. And so I decided when I was a senior in high school, I was going to go to Pepperdine University, and I was going to declare I'm a religion major. I want to study the life of Jesus. For a career, the way that I want to earn my living is I want to work for a church. I want to be a minister. That's what I decided when I was 17. So when I went to college, I said, all right, I want to learn to be like Jesus. You guys need to teach me more about Jesus. So I signed up for, for Bible classes and said, teach me to be like Jesus. And the university said, okay, we will. We need you to sign up for Old Testament Hebrew. And I was like, uh, why? Why does that matter? Jesus is found in the New Testament of the Bible. Yeah, they're like, yeah, but you got to take Old Testament history, and you got to learn about the Jewish customs and traditions. And I was like, I don't want to learn that stuff. I'm here to learn about Jesus. Teach me about Jesus. And they said, we will, we will, we will. But in order to understand that, you first have to understand this. I was really restless with that. I didn't understand it at the time. But here I am, a freshman in college, and I'm taking Old Testament history. And I'm taking the Hebrew language. And then I took a New Testament class, too. And I said, okay, good. Finally, we're going to get down to brass tacks, and I'm going to learn to be like Jesus. And I go to my New Testament class, and a majority of this class was Jewish customs, Jewish history, Jewish tradition, first century Judaism. And I'm just beating my head going, when are you guys going to get to Jesus? But again, I said, in order to understand that, you first have to understand this, because this was the world that Jesus lived in. These were the scriptures that Jesus was raised on. These were the things that transformed him. If you want to be transformed by him, you need to understand these roots. You need to understand this foundation. I said, okay, I guess I will. I took the classes that they asked me to. And this is similar to an encounter that Jesus has with some of the teachers of the law who come up to him. They kind of want some answers. They kind of want to pick his brain a little bit and see how much he knows. They're also kind of looking for a fight here. They're looking for one thing. They're like, hey, we want to debate about the law. Jesus, here you are in Jerusalem. Let's debate. Let's talk about the law. And Jesus says to them kind of what Pepperdine said to me. If you want to understand that, you first have to understand this. And then he goes back to the heart of the law. He goes back to the heart of the one who is the creator and the giver of the law of Moses. He's like, if you want to understand the ways of the Lord, you need to understand the Lord first. Listen to what he says in Mark chapter 12. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. And noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God. I'll give you a second one for free. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is Mark's version of this. You may notice over here on the wall, painted in permanent paint, is Matthew's version of this encounter. 
And Luke also tells a version of it. Each of them are slightly different, but the main idea is the same. Someone comes up to Jesus, and they want to get answers. But what's consistent in all of these is, like I said, it's sort of given with ulterior motives. They're kind of looking for a battle. They're kind of looking for a debate. In Matthew, the account of Jesus giving this teaching, the expert of the law comes up to him, and Matthew says he came up to him because he wanted to test him. He wasn't necessarily looking for that well of truth. He wanted to test Jesus and see if he was bona fide. And here in Mark, you see in this passage, one of the, the teachers of the law came up when they heard him debating. Fight breaks out. Ooh, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to get in on this. Let's see what this Jesus has to say. And in Luke's account of this same incident, an expert of the law wants to test Jesus. And then when he gives an answer, he asks a follow-up question because it says he wanted to justify himself. So, in the similar way that I approached college, going and saying, like, listen, this is what I need. I want you to just give me the answers that I'm looking for. These teachers of the law come to Jesus. They say, we want these answers. And Jesus says, you might get to those answers, but first I'm going to give you what you really need. Before we go any further with studying the Jesus Creed, or the, the greatest commands, as they're sometimes called, I want us to stop and ask ourselves this question. When we come to church, or when we open our Bibles, or when we gather with other Christians to study, or even in your own personal prayer time, do you come to Jesus wanting to hear what he has to offer you? Or do you come just looking to justify yourself? Because sometimes we can do that. Sometimes we want to show up and say, I'm just checking to make sure the stuff that I already know is the stuff that you guys are talking about. But Jesus calls us to follow him, to learn from him, and to listen to him. Do we listen for how Jesus wants to transform our lives, or are we just expecting an echo chamber, hearing things that we wouldn't be surprised by? And maybe depend how you respond to that question maybe depends on the day. Sometimes it's like, yeah, I, I really want to know. I really want to be changed. And sometimes it's like, yeah, I'm just going through the motions, or yeah, I'm just checking. But as we begin this new year, as a church and as a family, I want to encourage you to be open to what the Lord may want to show you. Maybe a blind spot that you didn't know that you have. Maybe a new teaching or a new understanding on an old teaching that can really challenge your life. We did this last January, too. If you think all the way back a year ago, what were we doing at this time? Well, we had a baby dedication the first Sunday of 2018. That's also when we launched a series called DTO. DTO stands for Do to Others, which is also short for Do to Others What You Would Have Them Do to You. The Golden Rule, a teaching of Jesus, which is very simple to memorize, very simple to understand, but very complicated to live out. Just quick, by the way, one year later, check. Does anybody still have their DTO chips? Can anybody raise your chip and show it right now? Oh, that's a different story. Justin's giving excuses. He says he sat on it and it broke, and I guess that's my fault because it wasn't durable enough. Lisa has hers, preacher's wife. Sarah, nicely done. You guys get 10 sermon points. Full disclosure, what we started doing is say, carry these around with you. Keep these visible where you can see them all the time. And like Justin, I broke one of mine. I lost one of mine, and uh, I had to dig for this one to be able to hold it up for you this morning. So I'm not... Uh, not trying to 
<laughs> I'm not trying to pretend like I have it all together. But this was our series, and this was our reminder. We said we're going to start the year by taking a teaching of Jesus and not just trying to study it or sermonize it. We are going to live it out together as a church. And then we got the chance to share those stories. We came here on Sunday mornings, and I said, how did this challenge your life? How did being reminded daily to do to others what you would have them do to you, to put yourself in somebody else's shoes, how did that change you? How did that challenge you? How did you, and so I, I, was, I said, I just want honest answers too. How did you get it wrong? Because sometimes you, you go to do something that you ought to do, and then you realize, oh man, it would have been more Christ-like if I'd said this or if I'd done this. We wanted to gather those stories too, and just be honest and say, this is not easy. Easy to understand, but it's a lot harder to live out. This January, this year, today, we want to do the same thing, but with a different teaching of Jesus, and it's the teaching that is sometimes referred to as the Jesus Creed. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second greatest command is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Here it is in Jesus Creed form. And some of you may be a little bit turned off by the word creed. Some of you are like, hey, Jesus Creed, sounds good to me. But there's a history in the churches of Christ that I've run into and that I'm familiar with where the word creed was a bad thing. Because a lot of the, the Church of Christ origins was somewhat of a reaction against things that other churches were doing that we consider to be not biblical. And somebody along the way said, there's these creeds, the apostles' creeds, and things that people recite, that they've taken ideas from Scripture and then gathered into these statements that the churches read together. Some of the Church of Christ people didn't like that because they said those aren't from the Bible. No creed but the Bible was a slogan that was thrown around a lot in churches of Christ throughout their history. So I understand that when I say we're going to spend time, we're going to dwell in the Jesus creed, there might already be a wall for some people. But in response to that, I want to say uh, if the problem with creeds is that they don't come from the Bible, this comes directly from the Bible. I did not change this in any way. This is Mark 12, 30 and 31, or if you prefer the Matthew version, or you can go to Luke 10, uh, this, is, this is Jesus, his words from Scripture, and this is the idea that we're going to take with us. And if you're still not convinced, Jesus wasn't even making stuff up here. He was quoting the Old Testament Scriptures. This is Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19. So this is like doubly Scripture only. So hopefully that'll put some folks at ease especially just when it comes to the terminology of the Jesus Creed. A creed is something that we live by. It's a stated set of, of values that we adhere to, and they guide our actions. And I think that in a world full of slogans and creeds and popular philosophy, I think it's healthy to spend a season immersed in the Jesus Creed. This could do us some good. But this is not just something that I want you to remember or even memorize. This is something that I want you to pray. Because at its core, the Jesus Creed is a prayer. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He went to something that would have been very familiar to the Pharisees, very familiar with his Jewish followers, very familiar with the Jewish audience. This is the kind of stuff they taught me at Pepperdine, so that's why I know this. Now you know this. Uh, this is the Shema. What's the greatest commandment? He says, you guys, you know the greatest commandment. Deuteronomy 6, it's not just a scripture that we have held on to. It's a prayer that we Jewish people pray every single day. 
Some Jewish people pray this two and three times a day. They begin their day with the Shema. They end their day praying the Shema. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Jesus added the mind part, and we'll talk about that more in coming weeks. But this was a prayer, and it was a familiar prayer. It'd be kind of like, I had a friend who was in the, the Memphis City Orchestra, and about 10 years ago, when Lisa and I still lived in Memphis, we had the opportunity to go and see him perform with this orchestra. He played the big Jack Parmalee double bass uh, instrument there, and it was fantastic. They did Beethoven's Ninth Symphony in its entirety. And I was like, whoa, these guys are volunteers? This is really like professional level stuff. And after the show, I got to talk with this guy, and I said, this is amazing. I, I don't know anything about the classical world. I don't listen to that kind of music. So I was, I was picking his brain, and I said, who's, who's your favorite composer? Like, who do you like the most? And his response was interesting. He said, well, it's kind of understood in the classical world that the best, the absolute best, and the top composer ever is Mozart. And I said, really? It's that definitive? He's like, oh, yeah. Ask anybody who knows classical music. Mozart is the top of the stack. There has never been anyone better, and nobody thinks there will be anybody better than Mozart. I said, wow, that's really interesting. So when he gives his favorite, you kind of have to give this disclaimer. Well, everybody knows that Mozart is the greatest, but then if you're asking me after Mozart, here's who I think. And that kind of stuck with me. That's kind of what happens in Jesus' response. They say, what's the greatest command? And Jesus says, we all know what the greatest command is. Mozart is the greatest command. In this case, the Shema, the prayer that we all know that we were raised on, that we pray. This is the greatest and then he adds on, love your neighbor as yourself. And he concludes with these statements. There is no commandment greater than these. That's Mark's version. He says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. That's what Matthew tells us. And then he says, when you understand what this means, you should go and live it out, as he demonstrates in Luke. So you got it, right? I've said it many times. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the Jesus Creed. You got it? You're ready to go do it? Like DTO, we got it. When we left this room, we got it. Do to others what you would have them do to you. Boom. But as we will discover, as we take this with us into our lives and try to take it seriously, I think we're going to discover that it's a lot easier said than done. Love the, Lord with all your, with, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Think about that. That's hard enough by itself. Your, your challenge, your, your, your commission that I'm going to send you out with in 2019 is to go out and love the Lord with all your heart. Your heart's not going to be divided and split and I'm going to give my heart to this and this and this and this. You're going to love God with all of your heart. That's a challenge enough on its own. But now, love the Lord your God with all of your soul where your body and your spirit meet. That's your soul. Love him with everything that you have, with all of your mind, with all of your intelligence, with all of your skills and creativity and abilities and all these things that God has given you. Love him with all of that. And love him with all your strength, with every ounce of energy that you can squeeze out of your day. And you might be thinking, I have a lot less energy these days, Jacob, because I have a newborn, or because I'm super old, or because I'm pregnant. <laughs> For whatever reason, energy and strength, I think, is a lot hard to come by these days. Jesus is saying, oh, oh, whatever. Take all of the energy that you have and all of your strength and love God with it and your heart and your mind and your soul. That can make you go, oh, I don't know if I'm up for it. But there's more. 
In addition to that, love your neighbor. Oh, okay, I uh, love my neighbor. Uh, I'm loving God with everything that I've got, but now I've got to turn over here and love my neighbor. Okay, who's my neighbor? Kristen, you're the closest to me. You must be my neighbor. But if we go by Jesus' definition of who your neighbor is, it's more than just one person, more than just the people in proximity with you. It's basically anybody who has a need that you come across, regardless of if you know them, if you like them, if they're the same political party as you, if they have the same belief systems as you. Okay, so i got to try to love those people. Yeah, but you got to love them as you would love yourself. Don't just love them and like check it off the love list, but as much as you care for yourself, that's the degree to which you should love all of your neighbors and love God with everything you got. Can we do that? Oh, man, we're kind of done before we start, right? What do we do? How can we do this? I'm not saying this to discourage you because I want you to try to actually do this. But the point that I'm making here is that I don't want you to just memorize the Jesus Creed, although I do want you to memorize it. And I don't want you to just go out and try to live it in your life, love God, love neighbor, although I do want you to go out and live it in your daily life. I want you to commit to praying this daily and to think of this like a prayer, more like a prayer and an invitation for God to work in your life than a New Year's resolution. New Year's resolutions work usually the same, at least they do for me, every year. It's something that I have resolved that I am going to do. And maybe I pray about it, maybe I ask Justin to help hold me accountable for my resolution, but at the end of the day, it's me versus me, or me versus the calendar. I'm going to try to get to February, I'm going to try to get to summer, I'm going to try to live this out. That's how resolutions work. But prayers, on the other hand, are me inviting God to work through me, to work in conjunction with me. And that's why it's important to understand the Jesus Creed as a prayer, since it is a prayer. And the challenge that I want us to take on together as a family is to pray this at least twice daily. I want you to pray it in the morning. I want you to pray it in the evening. I want this to be the first thing you say when you wake up. I want this to be the last thing you say before you go to bed. And then all throughout the day, Whenever you think about it, I want you to pray it again. And when I say pray it, I mean pray it out loud, not just in your head. And I want you to see what God does with it. And you're going to be, you're memorized it, you're, you're, you're living it, you're, you're putting your effort, your heart and soul, mind and strength into it as well. So it's not just like, God, do it, and I'll sit back and do nothing. It's working together. But treat this like a prayer. Two weeks ago, right before Christmas, I stood up here, and together we wondered, how is it that Jesus was able to trust God to the degree that he did, that close relationship that he had with his Father? How was he able to trust God all the way to the cross? And we said, it seems to have something to do with the relationship that he had with him, the closeness that he had. Jesus' prayer life was rich, and Jesus was immersed in the scriptures, and Jesus, like all the other Jews, Pray the Shema daily. And so I want to ask you again this morning. Do you want to know Jesus? Do you want to be like Jesus? If so, this is what Jesus believed. This is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus was formed by. Prayer, scripture, communing with the Father. 
These were his foundations. If you want that, you first have to learn this. So do we really want to be like him? I hope the answer is yes. And while you're considering whether or not you're going to take this on, and all of you are going to, by the way, just in case you're wondering, I hope that you do. I want you to take a moment to consider what is your current creed? If you're not so down with the Jesus creed, why? Is there another creed in your life that this might butt up against? You might think, oh, I don't have any creeds, Jacob. No creed but the Bible, remember? But everybody has a creed. Everybody has a philosophy that they live by. When you swing your feet out of bed in the morning, just like everybody else, you march to the rhythm of a certain creed. Maybe you haven't stopped to think about what it is, but we walk and we live our days with a certain mantra. It's important to know what that mantra is. For some people, it's make money, make money, make money. For some people, it's don't look stupid, don't look stupid. For some people, it's try harder, do better, more, more, more. There's a lot of different creeds that people have. I want you to try this one on. I want you to give this one a spin and see how it fits with your life. Love God. Love neighbor. Love God. Love neighbor. If you read through the Gospels, you see this in Jesus Christ. Everything that he did can fall into one of these two legs of the Jesus Creed. He's doing it because he loves God. He's doing it because he's showing love to his neighbor. Loving God, a loving neighbor. Love for God, love for neighbor. Love in the truest and best definition of love, which we're going to talk about in the coming weeks throughout this series. I want to invite you to take this creed on, to pray it twice daily, and then to collect your stories about what happened. How were you changed? How did this impact your household? How did this impact your family, your work, your school, your relationships? And like we did last year with DTO, I want to have the opportunity for us to share these stories together. So please, be in contact with me. I may very well be in contact with you. Uh, I might call you up and say, hey, how's that Jesus Creed going? Loving God, loving neighbor? Did you forget? Did you remember? Uh, I think it's really powerful. When more than just Jacob gets up and talks, because I do a lot of talking, and I don't mind doing it, to be honest. But I love hearing from you guys as well about how these words from the Lord challenged your life and impacted you. And it can be really inspirational and life-changing for somebody else in this church when we get the chance to do that. So be prepared for me to ask you about this. And I'd love to share your stories uh, when we get the chance. As a reminder, as we did with DTO, there was something that I sent you off with. Uh, the DTO chips were what we did last year. This year, I thought, I want to have something that's like that. So I went over to my buddy, Ryan Grobler over here. Wave, Ryan. Hey. And uh, Ryan is an artist. And I said, you could design something way better than I could. So I, would, I, I shared this idea with him. And he's like, yeah, okay, I can come up with something. And I, I thought of little buttons that look like this. I'd say, love God, love neighbor on them. And Ryan came up with this. Ryan's the man. This is, I love these buttons. I love this design. 
and Ryan and his son William, William, wave, hey, there's William, everybody. Uh, they pressed enough buttons for everybody uh, in this room. Printed them out, made them into buttons. They're in the back in a little basket. And as you leave today, I want you to take this with you. And I want you to keep it with you throughout your week. Wear it like a button. You can hang it on your rearview mirror. Put it in a place where you're going to see it. If this is something you're going to pray before you get out, right when you get out of bed and right before you go to bed, you may stick it by your bed, but I'd encourage you to take it with you. You can treat it like a DTO chip. It's almost the same size. Put it in your pocket, but it may very well come unclasped in your pocket and uh, poke you in the leg. That could be a God thing, reminding you to <laughs> love your neighbor if you're not doing it. That could be, could be the accountability that we need. Um, but this is what we're going to be doing the month of January. We're going to take on the Jesus Creed. As the praise team makes their way back up here and helps to close us out uh, with the, these last couple songs, I want to invite you all to stand with me, and we are going to pray the Jesus Creed together. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these.